Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. I'm your host, Marcus, and uh, we got an exciting two stories with us from an author. Uh, introducing Russ. Hey, what's up? Hey, not uh, much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate Glad it. Glad to have you on, man. I'm <laughs> super excited to share your lore with, uh, with everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I'm excited have, to be here. Yeah. yeah. Do Good. you have like a one second teaser to kind of just say what we're getting into? Sure. Yeah. We have two stories of my Space Wolf unit, the Hand of Tear, that are the remade remnants of units that have been eliminated. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. I, cool. I'm intrigued. We, we all <laughs> love Space Wolves, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're everybody's favorite. How could you not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, we'll get started. I think the first one, what's, oh, the first story is called Hand of Tear. And uh, yeah, I'll be reading that one. And then the second story was called uh, The Red Blades of Morakai. So I'll let you read that one. But uh, here we go. We'll get into it. The Hand of Tear. Tear. Horn. It's not that ah, hard. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Sons of Fenris, him who mocks fate, Mana Ganar. Thus follows the tale of Tyr, of the recognition of his weird and the suing of his thread, first of the hand of Tyr. It was in the murder make on the planet Nirfird that happened, if it happened at all. There was no agreement among the Skalds who write the ballads of battle, but surely some thread of Reard pulled Tyr through the fight while his entire unit walked into shadow. Alone, Tyr found himself, befrit of comrades and battle brothers, his chainsword unspooled, his bolt pistol empty. Tyr wandered the field amid the carnage and explosions, the walls of the mortals and the echoed yelps of the Fenrika forming a symphony for his unattuned ears alone. With broken weapons, he still laid many low. This lone wolf struck a path through the fighting. He knew not where he was headed, guided not by his own will, but by the Norns themselves drove him. In the wastes of battle, he found a new weapon under the body of a fallen brother in Terminator plate, an ax of ice blue. It pulsed with pale light as if it was about to extinguish itself as its former master did, eager to follow him in the darkness of glory. You shall go with me now a while until I return you to your pack or death take me to mine, Tyr said to the two bearded axe. It shone a bit brighter, flickering back to life as he kept cleaving his way anew towards where the fighting sounded fiercest. 
we will this day join our brothers in Valhalla, you and I. At the top of a small mound at the battle center, Tyr saw his wolf lord defending himself alone. Gunnar Redmoon fought on, his Vagirian wolf guard all but spent at his feet. Without thought, Tyr rushed to his lord's side. He moved like Hades, the wolf of legend, closing on Manny to devour the moon at the start of Ragnarok. You are here, Magnamir. <laughs> Finally, shouted Redmoon over the roar of his chainsword. It would seem we are few now indeed. How many live? You? Me? I hear some shouting, but the enemy is many, many more yet, Redmoon said. We will not win this fight, but they will remember us, and the wolf's bite will leave them, if these insects can remember. Tyr took a moment. He knew his death would come sorely. The bodies to be reaped by his axe could not fill the gulf between him and his pact, but he would make war and song together in the last moments, fighting beside his lord. I recognize our failing, and, I'm sure, and I will be sure to correct it, Tyr yelled with a downward stroke. The pair fought for what seemed like hours, back to back, each guard in the flank of the other. Though a din of a few more battle brothers joined, but even with each gained ally, hope of victory was not worth wasting thought for. Theirs was murder to make. Tyr's arm burned from a thousand swings, his shoulders on fire. Space Marines knew no fear or weariness, but the days now of this fight were taking the toll on these few. They clung to life on their hilltop like a raft on Medusa, abandoned and resigned. But they weren't. Above, there was a piercing bright orange and red meteors. Long trails of smoke seemed to dangle them from the yellowed clouds. The vox clicked and chirped through the day's old static. Sorry to have kept you waiting. Hope you left some for us. With a force of small atomics, the drop pods, pods thundered around Tyr, Gunnar, the Red Moon, and the survivors. The doors opened and out poured the reinforcements of black mains. Ragnar had come. Quickly and with bewildering aggression, the route stood up to its namesake, clearing the field. I see things have not gone well, Ragnar said, addressing Redmoon as he strode up the hill. He whipped his chainsword clean of, to clean it of gore. This world is lost. How many of you survive? What you see, Redmoon answered. Tyr looked around. What he thought to see, he did not. Were there a few dozen battle brothers he had fought alongside? Surely there must have been at least 15 to have held out as long as they did against the Tyranids. But all there was was Ragnar and his Wolfguard. But all there was was Ragnar and his Wolfguard, Gunnar, Redmoon, and himself. The axe was stained red. I have seen no one else except maybe you, Redmoon gestured to Ragnar. To fight like Morkai himself, his word is strong in this one. Ragnar turned to seem to take Tyr with a new light. What is your name? Tyr. Tyr Hortenorten. Hortenorten, a true son of Fenrir. a true son of Fenris then, and one who works in the Norn's blessing. Ragnar pointed his axe, but I meant that. What is your name? How will the skulls think of your unless... You are named. Tyr looked at the frost axe in his grip. It was caked in blood. Blood brought his fallen pack brothers. This will be Hattie, who he hates. Very well, Tyr and Hattie, said Ragnar. I have a job for you. Red Moon, this danger is mine now. He will come 
as Weir Guild for Black Mane's ending as... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's two, uh, Dranger, which is like Warrior, and Weir okay. Guild, which is a blood price. Okay, cool. I'm, yeah, okay. He will yeah. come as Weir Guild for us Black Mane's ending a fight you couldn't. He walks with a weird now and must follow his tread to its ending. My men will see you return to your company with honor, but this tier has other lone wolves to pack with first. And uh, that was the first story. Very cool. So it's just a story of how he became a lone wolf, essentially. Yeah. And then the idea is that he'll get picked up by Ragnar and charged with making this new unit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, as much as I hate reading all those crazy words, I really do like them. And when, and when you say like what they mean, it adds so much more to the story. Like, uh, do, do you, like, clearly you have, you're a fan of like the Viking aesthetic and stuff. Like how yeah, much research yeah. did you have to do to write this or are you kind of always um, in this? Yeah. I've always been like a big fan of Beowulf ever since I read it first in high school. Okay. And uh, I like return to it periodically. Um, so like I'm into, I'm into the the words and how they matter and how words are really important to the culture and to the people. And it's way different than, I don't know, some people who I really disagree with uh, take Viking culture to be. Yeah, sure. I guess sure. that's the most diplomatic way I can say it. <laughs> I know, I know the type you're talking about. So yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, um, like when you say the words, yeah, they do sound beautiful and you can tell how much meaning is actually in each word. And uh the, the cool. name of yeah, Tyr, his last name, you, you told me what it was before the show, but you want to tell everyone what it is. Yeah, yeah, Hrudvinir. Um, so he names his axe Hati, and Hati is a wolf in Norse mythology who chases the moon, and he will eat it right before Ragnarok. And yeah. Hati's last name is Hrudvinir, which means son of Fenrir. Okay, So cool. it fits with the space wolf theme, you know, like keep the, keep the wolves in the background, but they're still in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, very cool. I, I, I like the part, like, I, it's just, you painted such a good picture of these space wolves fighting back to back on this mound, tyranid <laughs> corpses everywhere. And yeah, I, it, I really wanted to try and keep the, like the battle to the background and focus mm-hmm. on the people. Cause I find like so much, I, I don't know if you want to put this in or not, but I find like so much of when you're reading, um, like horse heresy books or something, when they focus too deeply on the actual battle itself, it kind of loses the plot. And then, sure. how many times can a can a space marine kill something else? So yeah, I'd rather how focus many, on the people, you know. Yeah, how many times can you describe? He swung left, and then he swung right. Like, yeah. So right. you, yeah. you you painted the picture with very few words, but we we knew what was happening. So yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, do you have anything else you want to share about that one, or do we want to jump into the second part? Uh, I think we're good. We can jump in right into the next one if you want. Okay. Um. All right. So the next one is the Red Blades of Morkai. And the only background you really need for this is the Space Wolves have a special unit called the Hounds of Morkai who are specifically Psyker hunters. Oh, cool. And uh, so this like kind of focuses on them meeting up with a little cabal of Thousand Sons cultists. You know, two best friends just hanging yeah, out. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Long lost friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and do maybe voices, but we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. The Red Blades of Morkai. Does it ever not storm around here? Shut your mouth. No one gives two snarl rat shits about your whining. The rain beat its incessant thump through the doorless opening of the picket post, pooling in the entrance and making everything under the ramshackle roof damp. Thunder rumbled across the mountainside as it had for the past six days. 
Only the fire kept the sogginess at bay, and only for a time. It was a small fire Skegast built, scavenged from what little dry fuel they found about the room, an old chair, some rumpled blanket, anything that would burn. Anything except the carved wooden fetishes they carried around their necks or tucked into their pockets. They were in various shapes and of different woods, but all followed the same recognizable lines. High, broad shoulders, from which projected wing-like arms, ending in clawed balls. From the head came an inverted nemes of two flat, striped protrusions upward from the crown. What was most notable was the cyan color of these icons, that these icons were painted, and the red or purple flaming circle motif on the figure's chests. Brothers Xiphon and Karin had a similar shape tattooed across their cheeks when their faces flashed from under the cloak hoods in the firelight. Thunder rumbled closer this time. I just mean the masters could make it a bit more livable for us, Enman said. They ask so much. Neophyte, are you daring to question the masters? Brother Xiphon was quick as lightning to show his intolerance for blasphemy. They are just up the path if you would like to ask them in person. They will not answer you. Their work is paramount now that the ritual has begun. Brother Chiron joined in. They do not talk to us, we serve. We serve, repeated brothers Skegast and Xiphon in unison. We, we serve. Unsure and low, Neophyte Emin muttered the creed. Thunder crashed again outside, and the group started. Closer now. The masters are indeed at work. Doing that? It was a new voice, and the four cultists reached for their weapons amid the immediate turmoil. Whoever he was, this new monster, was enormous, bigger than most things they had seen in all of their dancing with the occult. In the secret books Brother Xiphon gleaned in his slavery at the subaltern libraries of Tizca, there were documents of giants, and truly there were monsters on the planet of the sorcerers, but this thing was different. Bah, put down those weapons. You don't need them, and you and I both know they will do you no good. The voice was guttural, and the pattern was foreign to what they were used to hearing as though the beast did not speak their language, but had learned it recently. It broke and started as a winter ocean's waves, ice flows frozen over the shore, interrupting the breakers. And it was a beast that now entered the small picket room. Enman clutched at his necklace charm with shaking hands. He let the rifle fall to the floor. It was quieter than he thought it would be as it fell to the wet concrete. Ha, the young one is smart. You, he pointed at Brother Skegist. You stay there by the fire, put something else on it. Skitch, this rain has me soaked through. Before he could take a third step in, Brother Xiphon lunged forward, his curved sword raised and pointed for the beast man's chest. The spot Xiphon aimed for was a full half meter above his head. In a flash of lightning, the beast man's hand, a huge gloved thing, not unlike those of the masters, opened forward to intercept the blade. It crumpled as aluminum against his immovable palm driven by Xiphon's own momentum. The beast's paw closed around Xiphon's entire hand, bent sword, hilt, and all. The closeness of the thunder deafened his screams as the beastman crushed Xiphon's hand and splintered the bones of his forearm. He was not so smart. Brave, maybe, but not smart. Come. He motioned to the other three to the fire. Sit. You will do better now. Yes, we will talk and dry, and then I will leave. Xiphon still screamed on the ground between peals of thunder. The beastman stepped over him, plucking the fetish from around Xiphon's neck as he passed. It seemed so small in this monster's hand as he protrude, prodded and examined it with his finger. 
Enman, Skagest, and Chiron set, forming a circle. Chiron was muttering a chant, a prayer to the masters for salvation. The beastman set too, still transfixed by the small wooden figure. See, better. Now we talk. It is bad manners to not introduce oneself before fire sharing. That way we all know who we are sharing warmth with. I am called Isa Trifang. The monster snorted and wiped his nose with the back of his gauntlet. Have you no manners? Here he smiled, one of his fangs noticeably missing. That he had fangs at all stood as a testament to his beastliness. In the light of the fire, Enman saw this monster was in fact a man, a huge one, but still a man. He wore armory in a mockery of the master's purity. Enman unclenched his fetish to be sure. Yes, the lines were similar, but the differences were pronounced. Where there should be clawed balls from the shoulders, there were not. Where there should be a flaming circle device, his pauldron bore a wolf motif in black. The master's armor was of a brilliant blue, green, and gold, while this beast, no, while Issa's, was a deep blue so dark as to be almost black, and he wore no helmet. A fine craftsman made this, said Issa, still pawing, pawing Zyphon's talisman. Issa drew from behind his waist a large reddish saix and proceeded to carve his own symbols into the wooden idol. But it did him no good. If his sword was made by the same person, then maybe he would have been more of a challenge. Enough wailing now. Come and sit. Zyphon moaned, rolled, and crawled his way to the fire circle. You fall here on guard duty? You're not good. I have so far found nothing to point to any worthy fight here, even the others. Others? Skegas broke the silence. The others you speak of will come. Then there are the masters. They will destroy you. They will rip your soul from your body and dismember your very being. When they get here, there are no hells you will not visit, no pain you will not know, no. Issa reached around into his satchel and tossed a large object towards Skegest. It was too big and heavy for him to catch, and it landed with a metallic clang against the concrete. The shape was unmistakable and familiar, and men had seen it before in various shapes and of different woods, and it followed the same recognizable lines, the same inverted nemes of two flat striped protrusions upward, the same cyan and gold color he knew so well. Only this helmet was not as bright or polished as it should be. There were strange runes of warding carved across the brow line. The helmet was dented and dirty, almost as though it had been smeared with dust. No, they won't. Chiron clutched at his eyes, tearing down so hard he cut rents in his own cheeks. The blood flowed out over his flaming circle tattoo, obscuring it. He wailed in a mix of fright and fanaticism. Skegas fell silent. After a moment, Neophyte Emin spoke. spoke. How? How could you pass the masters? Their magics are, are how? Skitch, this is why the Red Blades of Morkai are here. To send these traitors and the Malifacorn back to hell, where Morkai can eat them and end them. Issa tossed the wooden effigy of the master of the Rubike into the fire. He watched it burn. Emin thought it burnt faster than it should have. The thunder rumbled again outside. Only we could do it, Issa said. Only we of Morkai can walk among the witches and not be touched by the Malifacorn. It is a weird... Lightning flashed outside, blinding the four cultists for a moment. And now it is the end of yours. I thank you for the warmth of your fire. May it be one good mark for you when you are judged before Morkai. Behind each of them, Zyphon, Skegest, Chiron, and Enman, they saw for the first time the grinning skull jaws beneath the glowing eyes of the wolves waiting just beyond the firelight. <laughs> So, so happy ending for these cultists, I'm assuming. 
I think so. Yeah, I think they made it out. They all went to get like McDonald's together and said a great <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They got to play with some wolves, pet them a little That's, bit, rub their tail. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves a good dog, you know? <laughs> Man, uh, this was a great story. I, I am so impressed with the dialogue, how like you're able to make each character sound different. And like even the space wolf, when he talks, you can tell like he, he's, he's a space wolf. Like he talks about maybe one good market for you before you're judged, you know? Yeah, you got to throw those little, pepper those little fun things in there for, for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's fantastic. It comes across so good. Um, I, I also loved it's gonna all go again. the little... <laughs> I also loved all the little like uh, all the little imagery that you that we know what it is and you're able to describe so good like the carved wooden fetishes or like the f circle flame tattoos and stuff. Yeah, I tried to describe them like as accurately as I could. Like the a, a nemes is an Egyptian headdress, mm. so like the thousand thousand suns have that thing going on <laughs> the opposite direction. I'm learning then, so like, many uh, words. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then. Uh, so to like put those little hints in, like, if you know, you know, and then you get it, you know, like the bit about them being covered in dust because yeah. they're, they're all made of dust instead of blood. I found <laughs> that out through a comment on my Instagram. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I never even picked up on that, but yeah, that's a very good detail. Like, yeah. So when he throws the helmet, it's covered in dust and that was yeah. such a great scene. It's like, you guys are when our masters get here, you're in trouble. But he's just like, ah, here's your fucking master. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> so I'm good. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I really like, too, that you uh, told this story from, like, the cultist perspective, where your first one was from your space wolves, but now this one kind of flipped mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it, I liked uh, the idea of telling the story from the other way. So you, you see who you think is going to be the good guy is the bad guy, even though you know he's the good guy because traders can suck it you know like, yeah. <laughs> yeah for the all father for the, for the emperor for the emperor yeah. <laughs> but yeah it, it just like you since you're reading it from that perspective you kind of get that like you really painted a picture of how like terrifying a space marine was like when that guy goes to stab him and the sword just crumples on his hand and he's just like what are you gonna do to me i'm like yeah. a god of war <laughs> yeah you cannot touch me and like when he aimed for his head but it was a whole meter above <laughs> where he could reach <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah you just really paint it like truly like a scary person but even though like astartes would be this like terrifying um human to to encounter you still made him like super polite and like there is this like like air of cockiness to him because he should be cocky yeah but that's, he's also space wolf, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. also played and like, thank you for sharing the warmth of my fire of your fire. Um, now, yeah, there's no reason for him. <laughs> no reason for him not to be a gentleman about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That was a great story. Thank you so much. Um, you you have to tell me a little bit more about uh, the Psyker Hunter. So they exist kind of already in the lore, but this is your own version of them. Um, yeah, they're in the they're in the game. They're in the tabletop game. Um, I don't know if they've appeared elsewhere in the lore, but the uh, Hounds of Morkai are a Psyker Hunter unit that's Space Wolf specific. They're they're Reavers um, okay. with like a, a different paint scheme, you know, okay. like essentially what, what it is. And they have you know like the Space Wolves wards and fetishes and stuff. You know, like the the stuff yeah. everybody hates them for. That yeah, lets all, them all get the real close to psychers. Yeah, mm -hmm. all the runes painted on their arm. Were you able to translate some of that onto your painting, like when you did it? Um, I, I think so. Um, okay. I tried. You know, <laughs> uh, I, 
I could send you a picture of them. Um, I, I didn't put it in the document, but um, I tried to like put little gold stuff on there. I tried to attach fetishes. I love playing with green stuff. Um, so everybody's got some some nice wolfy bits to them. Nice. Without going excessive, I'm stressing more Viking than wolf. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only way to play with them, I think. Um, like I said before, even in the first story, I had this cringy moment just typing out the phrase wolf lord just because I just <laughs> didn't want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the worst part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like they they exist, and then I tried to make them a little bit more my own. So they have they have these giant Bowie Bowie knives, and I. I don't understand why they're there. So I, they just look ridiculous to me. So I, I cut them to be like more of a sax, like a, a Viking sword. And I painted them this like rust red so that it's, it's not the silver. It's like their own little thing. And it's, cool. it would be like the ceremonial dagger for them kind cool. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So they just go around and they have this grudge obviously against a thousand sons and they just hunt them down. Yeah. I mean, these two, they're, these two are besties. They, have, <laughs> they each have one of those heart necklaces and one says like beef fry and the other says S ends and they put them together. <laughs> yeah. Very cool, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It, it was so well written and I just love the dialogue of it all. And you did a fantastic voice or a job with the voices. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, uh, you you are a Patreon member, so thank you so much for supporting yes. the show. People like you are the reason why people like me can do what we do. So, um, when you get uh, your other stories written up, uh, you have to uh, send it in because I want to hear more about the saga of Tear. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I want it to be like a, a Mead Hall tale, so yeah. I'll collect them all in one spot and write them up as epic old English poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it. that's not gonna happen yeah <laughs> no no it will happen it will happen. yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. a long game it's a yeah, long yeah. Game. <laughs> cool well thank you so much for sharing and thank you to the listeners for listening and uh yeah we'll see you all on the next episode Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.